How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It is the Custard TV podcast, the podcast that lives on all your podcast apps but emanates from the website, thecustardtv.com. I am the editor of that website, which means I basically hack people's uh, work up and also, as Matt and Michael who are joining me this week, I hack their podcast a bit when I edit it because they got, I got rid of a ton of stuff about Neighbours, apparently, last time they were on. I don't think anybody cares and it really frustrated me that people were getting <laughs> nostalgic over something they hadn't watched in the last 25 years. It really drove me mad. And then when you started... I was like, well, at least I can edit all this out. Just because you don't have that connection with it, Luke, or just an emotional connection to anything you, in, you in general. You don't have an emotional connection to it. Otherwise, you would have been watching it over the past 15 years or whatever. My, my counterpoint to that is I have a job. Yes, but you also, my counterpoint it, to that is you also have a Sky Plus box. It doesn't belong to me. So that would explain the reasons why I haven't watched Neighbours for the last decade. What? But just, just, just because you can't say to your your parents, please may I series link Neighbours or will that eat in too much or, into your skybox? Or I was living on my own for a good chunk of that time as well, don't forget, and I didn't have a skybox then. And why are we talking about this? Because it's going to all get cut why out anyway. Why didn't you have a VHS recorder? <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Michael? We postponed the podcast for an hour for you because Matt and I are gentlemen and also we just don't have anything else especially going on. for you yeah especially <laughs> for you we should say yes what was yeah. what were you doing that was crucial in that last hour do you want the truth we arranged the last minute day by the seaside last night yeah and it, it was just that hour pushing it we got back about quarter past two and then we had to take the dog out but this morning I basically spent playing crazy golf and paddling in the sea and eating donuts Donuts from a van at the seaside. Yeah, I did the whole seaside cliche. In like four hours. (laughs) I appreciate you joining us. and I appreciate you basically cramming a whole summer holiday that somebody would take a week to do into about four (laughs) hours for us. So thank you. Matt, thank you for joining us, Luke, as well. I'm still in a lot of pain. I've got two main pains going on i've got oh yeah tell the people how you you injured yourself by well, the way I, I, i've got is... another injury since then I, oh you, okay you, you, tell you, us about all of your injuries yeah we'll start at the, at the bottom with the toe or the foot or whatever i still don't know i'm not very good at somebody tells me where does it hurt i'm not very good at pinpointing it it's definitely the foot area but i couldn't go any deeper than that i was in a soft play with my niece one of the safest <laughs> places you could be 
no shoes on, socks on, because that was the rules because of COVID and Verrucas. The two mixing together. We don't want a massive Veruca <laughs> pandemic next. So I had my socks on and I just turned round and something went crack or click in my toe. And I haven't been able to walk properly since, which has been a real problem. I have been able to walk a bit better this week. So I've been working harder at the computer. And now I've got a pain in my shoulder from like repetitive strain disorder from sitting weird at the computer. So I'm basically falling apart and you're lucky I'm here today. There were so many kids throwing themselves off slides and things. And I just managed to injure myself, probably getting off an inflatable horse or something, just very gently. You know, when you hear the noise, I've never done that before, where you hear a noise and you think, that's not good. Bodies aren't meant to do that. You know, I'm soldiering on. You won't hear me talk about it again, my horrendous pain. But thank you for asking. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the podcast this week, we've got four shows to talk about. The Suspect on ITV, The Capture, which returns on Sunday and Monday on BBC One, Not All as a Box Set, Bad Sisters on Apple TV Plus, and Welcome to Wrexham over at Disney Plus. On the site at the moment, a guide to everything autumn 2020 across the streaming platforms and... 2020? 20, 20, well, what year are we in? Autumn 2020, 2020 so we've got I Hate Susie and Adult Material. Oh, and, oh I hope so. I'm cool I like that. both of those. Yeah. No, autumn 2022, we'll say, just to be contemporary, uh, across the streaming platforms and terrestrial television. There's also a piece on uh, The Rehearsal, which is this critically acclaimed US comedy currently airing on sky comedy from hbo from a guy called nathan fielder i believe he's a canadian comic famous for lampooning the general public so he did a show called nathan for you where he sort of parachuted into business almost like an undercover boss gordon ramsay type figure telling them how to fix things and this show the rehearsal is all about helping people confront people in their lives that they need to and helping them rehearse for that big moment but it is very cringeworthy very tricky to pin down and very worth watching but i would urge you to read the review from amen on the site before you do because it gives you a bit of backstory and a bit of information on how nathan's comedy works but it is an incredibly strange beast one of the weirdest but possibly one of the best shows of the year that's there now also still got our big piece on the handmaid's tale going up and ton of news from the Edinburgh TV Festival. You can also follow us on the podcast uh, through all your apps of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Rate, review, subscribe as well. There's also a podcast that Michael does, which is not affiliated to thecustardtv.com, but I'll let him talk about it for a good 35 seconds. Yeah, it is called The Box Tuddle Survivors Group, which is a podcast about the cult BBC free show Being Human. Uh, we go through every episode. Uh, we're going to have interviews and audio essays. And it's just basically a load of geeks talking about a TV show, which uh, is my vibe. And it should be your vibe, too. What about your Manic Street Preachers podcast? Anything on that at the moment? Nothing's happening with it at the moment, but there's about 20 episodes out. Yeah, Manic Street Speakers available on all your podcast platforms. That title right. is amazing. You should really try and license that. 
I'm just going to set up a load of podcasts with funny names and not yeah. do any of, any of the episodes. But also, I like the idea that if anyone wants to do, even if a member of the Manic Street Preachers wants to do like a, a talk, if they want to just ignore the music and go around telling stories and they want to use exactly. that name, they can't. You've got it. Exactly. They'd I've have to it. contact you. I can make £2 from that. That would be going on a bucket and spade probably for your next. You know, <laughs> mind you, with ex- inflation. Two pounds won't even touch the side of a bucket and spade, I'm sure. I do miss it when you're on Luke. I know, it's the, random, is it? It's bizarrely random. That we go down there. Yeah. Let's do Good. the podcast proper, beginning with the only returning show on this week, The Capture with Matt. With the first series, Michael, I think we talked about this last week and you did watch it, didn't you? Yes. Yes, yeah. I did. Uh, but Luke, you, you only got as far as the first episode. I know we reviewed it with, uh, with Gary. Almost three years to the day, in fact. It's kind of sad and lovely that you know that. I know, I remember it because it's the one I recorded at Gary's house. Oh, okay, fair enough. If he's got (laughs) sentimental memories, yeah. Of being locked in a room with Gary, I can understand why it sticks out. Do you not remember? I I was downstairs, he was upstairs because the (laughs) volume was too bad. I only saw the first one. Pulling back the curtain a little bit, uh, for those of us who don't follow us on Twitter... Those of you who don't follow us on Twitter, I should say. Myself and Michael saw a preview of this last week at the uh, the Pilot TV podcast. Um, podcast. Yes, <laughs> and they set it up with, you don't necessarily need to have seen the first series. And I was just wondering, Luke, I would, someone ag- who I would only agree with that. I would agree with that. The first episode. Yeah. Do you think they did a good a good job then of catching you up? Yeah, to... I, know, I know why Holiday Granger is still there. And it doesn't, you know, like so many of these where you think, why have they done a second one? This one, whether I liked it or whether I didn't, at least made logical sense to come back based on what they did in that recap. So, yeah. So, as Luke mentioned, Holiday Granger um, returns as uh, Rachel Carey. She's now promoted from DI to DCI. And she's uh, been transferred to the corrections team. This is the team who doctor images or videos if they need to prove something that's happened that they can't. If they've got intel about a certain case, they doctor these video images to get this evidence to court that they did do it. And, And that was sort of what Rachel found out at the end of the first series. She is brought in to the team she now finds herself in the sort of tedious team. She's in mapping, they call it. These are the people who check on all the cameras, check on all the streets, and she feels like she should be higher than she is. Her former colleagues, Nadia Latif and Patrick Flynn, are um, on a new murder investigation. This is into the death of Edison Yao, who's a tech expert. He's got security cameras. They look at them to see who the murderer is and they just see the automatic doors opening. No person in this video capture at all. They call on uh, Rachel because she obviously has experience of this. She in turn then tries to get her, her boss involved, Gemma Garland, played by Leah Williams. It transpires that uh, Yao was working on a committee under security minister Isaac Turner they are involved in this Chinese software. It's like facial recognition. It's to help security in airports. He basically tells the guy in charge, we're not going to approve it. Later on that day, another of them... Um... <laughs> I'm getting there. I've almost finished. 
It's my time you're wasting and yours. <laughs> so another of Turner's advisors is targeted. Gemma orders Turner be sent to a safe house. Rachel's sceptical of the decision. She thinks there's some ulterior motives at play. And there's one final scene that shows that Rachel's assertions are correct as Isaac comes face to face with what AI technology could possibly be capable of. Occasionally, I do like reminders that Matt was a supply teacher. Because <laughs> we just, it's, your, it's my time you waste, We just got it. Supply teacher, £95 a day, I didn't care. And you get nothing for this, so quite I know, why exactly. you're so involved in it, I've no idea. Plus points for me, I thought Papa Ezidu as the, as the new lead. It's was... S-C-I-Do, I think you pronounce his name. Uh, I think he is very charismatic <laughs> in this role. I also liked what I perceived to be a little nod to that BBC News video that went viral, I think, <clears throat> a few years ago with the guy who's doing a very important Zoom call his children come in and the mother grabs them out and they went viral and I feel like uh, creator Ben Shannon has probably taken that a little bit because there's a scene where his son comes in while he's on a news programme and that sort of endears him more to the public. It's trending on Twitter. He just comes across very personable and he gives what is a very dour, serious show a bit of levity and a bit of humanity, which, you know, I always... I always gravitate towards in in anything. I will say, though, I was slightly bored during Matt's summation of it, and I was slightly bored during the show itself. It does take itself immensely seriously. I know it's a thriller. I know it's got to have that booming, ominous soundtrack in the background. I know it's got to have its twists and turns and people shot and killed and all the rest of it, but it just left me cold. The whole thing feels really cold. These colleagues, I can't remember any of their names. Holiday Grange is really sort of dowdy and mopes about a lot. Ben Miles is chewing every bit of scenery every time you see him. Leah Williams isn't that remarkable. Indira Farmer, I've never really warmed to as a performer and she's really not very well used in this. No, I just, I, I can see its appeal and I can understand people will binge it and enjoy all the twists and turns and things, but... It's not the kind of show that I will remember watching. I've used this on Twitter before. It feels like something NBC would have made in 2007 or 2008. It just doesn't feel... Very specifically. Yeah, well, no, I am. Because that was before the writer's strike. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But um, I just think, you know, it just feels generic. And, they, you know, the BBC do sell this aboard. They sell it to, oddly enough, NBC streamer Peacock. So it has mm. a life outside of the UK. So it feels very generic, really. The characters aren't that interesting. The world isn't that interesting. Does this sort of thing go on? Does that happen? Do they doctor video? To, to... Mm. So we got a Q&A afterwards, didn't we, Michael, with the yeah. creator, Ben Why don't ben you just marry that Shannon. podcast? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, jealousy's creeping in. Why don't you just marry them? The idea came from a, doc- a documentary he was working on. He'd researched a lot of this, and everything that you see in this could happen. Mm. He said he didn't want to do anything that crept into that realm of sci-fi. Everything no, in this could happen. I get that. And it is believable, you know, that it is realistic that somebody could do yeah. everything that happened in it. He also added that even though they could happen, he is pushing it to the extremes of what's mm. possible. He didn't want to go beyond well, this is what's happening, I think. It sort of reminds me of The Control Room, that, that drama we talked about a while ago now. That I think Michael 
watched and enjoyed and we were sort of matt called it dull as ditch water and i just said it was just did you what did you enjoy it michael i i did until the last episode it's your time you're wasting i think it's one of those things that keeps happening i suppose in television i can't really just call out the bbc where writers go in with this idea like the, the guy who wanted to write about the control room wanted to write about the relationship you have with a control room responder when you are at the worst period of your life and he did that but then it got turned into a a sort of -of run-of-the-mill dull paint-by-numbers thriller filled with characters you didn't connect with and were quite empty and devoid of personality this feels to me like ben shannon has gone in with this idea of replicating what he saw in documentary as drama and then turned it up to 10 or 11 to use the spinal tap reference and it's just for me lost all forms of credibility i know these things could happen but the way they're presented doesn't really fly for me and i just wish i just wish there was an interesting character i uh, I, you know papa iezidu was warm but not really an interesting character per se i can't remember his name and there's just nobody in that central team that I would care if they were shot and they all got rebooted for another one. There's just no, nobody I care about, and so I'm out. Yeah, I know what Luke's saying in the sense that if you take it at face value, you could say that this is a generic thriller. But it, it goes to the age-old argument. I know it's an argument you and Matt have had constantly over the years. It's what is an easy thing to watch of a Sunday, Monday night or whatever after a week, a hard day at work. You just want to switch your mind off and be... Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Thrilled by some entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think this falls into that category. That's not to say I think it's shallow. After the preview last week, I went back and watched episode one of series one. Because I remember it did take me a while to warm to series one. And by the end, so much happened and so much evolved that I liked the show. But I think what's happened here is they've ratcheted everything up a notch even more. Uh, With the direction, they've given it more of a streamlined look. They've evolved the characters. Whereas in series one, it was a court case which was in the news. But it was all the case tracking him down. It was all behind the scenes, really. It was all more or less a us versus them in this it's it's in westminster it's in it's all over the news it's it's like it's spilled out from series one and it's become such a major issue which i really appreciate because you can't stay at a level you've got to progress it and progress it and this feels more heightened that rug pull at the end of the episode i thought was really strong depending on your state of mind you could watch sit there and watch it and go oh well that would never happen or if you're in a certain frame of mind you can go oh my god what an ending and it's all depending on where you are at that time or what you'll accept as realism. Basically, what you're saying, Michael, is don't overthink it. That's what you're saying to me. Yes, it, <laughs> it is. I mean, it raises a lot of important issues, I think, but also in the same level, it's got to be entertaining. It has its flaws, don't get me wrong. Holiday Granger is 
great as an actress, but I'm not sure. It's a bit one bit note. note. She's doing. Oh, snap. Yeah. You know, there's not much yeah. beyond the character other than what she's doing. Just I think they Matt... did add some stuff in the first series, didn't they? Like she'd lost her sister and she was a bit like rudderless, wasn't she? She'd probably she? be able to find she... her. She could see all the had CCTV had... cameras everywhere. <laughs> just before Matt chimes in with his opinion, um, I just want to say, because I use this argument a lot and I'm aware that people on the podcast must be sick of me saying there's just nobody to connect to and da 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 but all I will say is I have watched a lot of heightened stuff and enjoyed a lot of heightened stuff but the thing that always I come away from even if I don't remember the plot points I come away remembering the character the performance and and for me this didn't have any interesting character or performance. I just, uh, you know, it's fine to say, switch your brain off, watch it over Monday and Tuesday, but at least make the people we're watching relatively interesting and not cardboard cutouts that could be played by well, anyone with I'd any say is I think they have tried to mend that because I think the first series was very dry and here then they've got new characters and there are moments of humour that are spread out throughout the episode that weren't in episode, uh, in series one. The series one was very dry as a whole, and I think they've ramped up a bit of humour, they've ramped up the scale of the show, and the potential outcome of the show is much more heightened. And Do you much feel like more... it's got a life in it outside of two? Do you think it could go on and on and on and become like a Spooks or Awaken the Dead or, just, well, this, or a line I, I of duty so. that keeps rebooting? I guess so, because you've got those possibilities, haven't you? It depends how big scale they go in this series, because obviously we're talking about Westminster and the Chinese governments. and so space is what you're saying. Yeah. To answer that question, Luke, first of all, I don't think so. I think this this has got a shelf life purely because... As we learn in this episode, she hasn't actually gone into the fold. She is trying to bring them down, expose this corrections method, as they call it. Mm. Um, I've actually gone on to episode two as well, because that will have been on by the time you hear this. And it's quite interesting because they they explain that certain politicians are aware of this procedure as well. And... Uh, Andy Nyman's in this as the Home Secretary. He's in episode two as well, and basically he's he says to Isaac Turner, is the, the politician character, he says to him, we can't say that that wasn't you on the news because then that will expose the entire thing. So mm. it, it goes in some interesting directions. I think by the end of that first episode, you're thinking, oh, they can just say it wasn't him and... Um, in Dear of Armour, who Luke, I know you're not a fan of, but actually, no. in this, I quite like she was playing quite a different because normally she plays these quite cold, standoffish characters, and actually, in this, she looked like she was having some fun playing a uh, like the Newsnight journalist. Mm. It's an enjoyable thriller, it takes its time in telling the story, and I think. It's the ideas that you're sort of compelled by rather than the characters. I am going to agree with you on this, Luke, just okay. thinking about it. I mean, I like so I, I, I really like Leah Williams. I think her performance yeah. and her, she gets it and is dialed into sort of the tone of what people should be doing in this. Actually, Ron Perlman comes back in episode two as well. And that is the scenery chewing performance of the, oh, of the thing. And certainly in this one, since the first series has been on, 
we've obviously had the pandemic and we've all been used to communicating through screens, through Zoom and other things like that, you know, how prevalent those softwares have become in the last two years. And I think that this plays on it a little bit. The two pivotal scenes with Isaac Turner on news broadcast, the first one, obviously, as Luke said, is the spoof of that BBC News interview from years ago. And then the second is the the final scene where it's not him on screen. It's a fake version of him. And I think, actually, that is something that everyone can think about, that this could happen. And it is quite a prevalent subject. I think I was just taken by the the sort of the pace of the story, really. I think if there are any sympathetic characters, it's probably the the on-the-floor policemen, these sort of more run-of-the-mill working-class characters who I think are more easy to relate to. As I watched the second episode, that flew by for me as well. I think, you know, if you're like Luke and you need a character to to hook onto, I don't think you've got this here. It's Mm. mainly the story that sort of sweeps you along. But for me, it's it's a well-told story. I think uh, Ben Shannon has researched it well and has sort of heightened the stakes, as Michael was saying, in putting in the political aspect and and looking at how actually the higher-ups did know about what we learnt in the first series. So, But I think I can't see them going on much more from this. There's a scene between Isaac and Rachel towards the end of episode two where you think, this is probably going to be the the, the last series gone. That's a shame, though, in a way. Even though I, I didn't take to it, it's a shame because mm. it seems like the sort of show built to return. And God knows the BBC mm. don't have many contemporary returning dramas that people like. Unless I mean, they get... The only thing I can think of is that they get rid of Rachel because she's obviously the character who is the one who knows what's going on. You know, I can't see most of the other characters are in on the sort of the corruption of it. And, you know, you say line of duty, the the characters who were there are sort of the worthy characters, the ones who are yeah. anti-corruption. Do you know what I mean? There's not, yeah. it is very much a, a ticking clock in terms of the, the main thrust of the story being about this procedure and the people who know about it and the people who are trying to bring him down. I get that. It's just a shame because, I mean, I enjoyed Sherwood for what it was. Do we need more? But this seems more... Bloodlands is coming back in a few weeks, Luke. Hold me back. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) you know, this feels like something that if it was done well, it could be rebooted and changed and... I just think it's the story limits it. I wouldn't say it's not done well. I think it's just... The story and there's that ticking clock aspect does limit it unless they they take it elsewhere. Well, and, the ticking and... clock's not a problem because how many series of 24 were there? Like 11 exactly, or something? You, yeah, well done, Luke. The Capture is on Monday. No, it's not. Sunday and Monday on the BBC for the next three weeks. Next up is another thriller, this time on ITV. And this time we go to Michael to talk to us about The Suspect which happens to star one of the people from his favourite show of all time, Being Human, in the title role. This uh, stars Aidan Turner as the main character, Joe, who is a psychologist. And the impression we get of him at first is he has everything set in life. He's good-looking, he's got a successful job, he's written books, he's got a big bushy beard. But during the course of the show, and I think... 
in, in a true ITV drama kind of way, we have to make leaps from one connection to another. There are literal leaps here, aren't there? Literal well. leaps. <laughs> literal leaps. We get from this almost perfect life to him being entangled up in an investigation that he initially was supposed to be helping out with. He's also suffering from early onset Parkinson's, which is obviously mm. a big part of, it, of his storyline, and it's obviously going to play a big part in the future. Now, I think, for the most part, this is a really strong opening episode. I have concerns about it in the sense that there are certain throwaway lines that are a bit silly or certain leaps that you you have to push your brain and go, how do we get from that to there all of a sudden? Like there is a moment when he was at the cemetery and the police officer was there also. Because you're there for two or three minutes going, well, how, how on earth is that? How, why could you explain that all of a sudden? But it does kind of make sense by the end. And my concern is with Aidan Turner, I've not seen everything he's done in the past 10 or so years, but there's certain things that I have seen him in. I don't think he's been pushing himself enough because the characters haven't been strong enough. If we're talking about one note, Aidan Turner as Poldark is one note. Well, that or, was a waste of a or, Blu-ray box set I got you for yeah, Christmas, well, wasn't it? Yeah. Or Lord of the Rings is one note, and I think there's enough here bubbling under the surface in episode one and with all the chaos that could come about that could actually push how good Aidan Turner is as an actor. There's lots of concerns, but I think by the end of episode one, I'm, I'm with it. Like a lot of the police procedural stuff feels like very generic. Even it's got Anjali Mahondra, who I've got a big crush on. How could you truly review this objectively? It's got yeah, no. one of your favourite actors in. You've got a crush on the fe- on the female lead. Again, we're talking about heightened thrillers. This is based on a book. It hits all the notes that you need to get from one stage to the other. There are certain moments where the dialogue, I just wanted to throw something at the telly along the lines of, is he the hero or is he the killer? And the, the other officer looks around and goes, he could be both. It was like, is maybe he a both. is he a genius or is he a psycho killer or something? And they got, yeah. the woman says, maybe he's both. Yeah, there was enough in episode one to keep me going, mainly because I've got a crush on Angeli. Oh, um, Luke's in love with Sean Parks as well, so between you, you know. Oh, <laughs> just, right now, I'm going to need your help here. I don't. Oh yeah, want, I am. You know, I know we can't see each other, but just look for my little nod. Put the webcam on if you want. No, no, because you you need to see me for this to work, which I haven't oh, okay. got. One. So let me just ha- help me out a bit because I don't want to yes. retread all the stuff I said about the capture. Like, yeah, go uh, on then. What, you do uh, it, and then I'll ride on your inevitable cocktail. Don't ride on anything. Uh, you know, it's it's quite far-fetched. The, the main murder investigation is this woman who's found in a grave, and she's been stabbed 21 times. And as you said, there's, like, a connection between her and the Aim Turner character. You brought it up briefly there, that the dialogue in this is absolutely oh. horrendous. Oh. They're... God. As you say, he's got early onset Parkinson's. He's seeing a doctor played by um, Adam James from uh, Dr. Foster and Visual um, and many of the shows that you'll recognise him from. And he just, he's like, you, you know, you're, you you married the, the prettiest girl at uni. You've written all these successful books. You did this, you've done that. And I, you know, he had to obviously clean up all the exposition he dropped on the yeah. floor after yeah. after Aid Turner had so left. He could move around his office and freely. Th- there's this scene as well where his receptionist Nina 
she says you need to filter down these candidates for my replacement and then she says i am leaving like you know we could have worked it out from that first bit it's almost like they feel like the audience is stupid that they need hand-holding and that's where i was with this whereas i think the capture does have enough in there where they trust the audience to sort of follow what's going on you know i don't think we had everything spelled out to us here i felt that this was almost very patronizing towards the audience sean parks was making some real choices with the character he was playing it's the one of the worst things i've seen anybody do this year <laughs> honest to goodness he was it terrible almost, you know when you've got this quite like charismatic you know even though michael doesn't think he's trying very much but the, the the character himself is meant to be quite charismatic. You know, he's this hero. We mentioned it briefly. There's this opening stunt where he rescues a boy on a ledge, even though he drops the harness because he's got Parkinson's. There was another bit there as Adam James comes on and goes, he's got Parkinson's. We see his hand shaking just to make sure everyone knows he's got Parkinson's. Going back to Sean Parks' performance. One of the worst I've ever seen. The point I was making is normally you would have quite a normal... The the investigators in the capture, for example, are played as like... Because you've got all this other stuff going on, the investigators themselves are quite run-of-the-mill, quite down-to-earth characters. He comes on and absolutely, you know, it's a scenery-chewing performance. It's like... How many murders have you done? It never gets any easier. And yeah, all, yeah. You know, he, I, he's I hate to see them cameras. buried in open graves. I hate that, he says. I think like a killer, that's why, how I catch killers. He was so full on, mm-hmm. and Angeli was quite blank. Mm-hmm. She was like a mouse compared to him just chewing everything up. And I like Sean Parks, usually. He's brilliant. But in this, mm-hmm. really strange choice of performance. I don't know what I can add. You know, I'm... I'm I do awfully with dialogue. If somebody says something that I think nobody would say except they were written, it just sticks out to me like a sore thumb. You know, you can sort of say to ITV, who, in my opinion, have just decided this is the sort of show they want to make now and they're just going to make as many of them as they can. In the end, I didn't gel with marriage. Uh, and nor did Michael, but at least we can say it was different from the capture, whereas ITV keep making these sort of shows, changing the cast, changing the setting. I thought giving a character, lead character Parkinson's was interesting, but th- th- that's not going to play any role here because it's really how involved is he in the death of this young woman who he had a brief affair with, his wife knows about their relationship. I, I mean, again, that's a ambiguity, isn't it? She made an allegation. He denies, ha- you know, having had any sort of... And there's also this thing about... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. They're talking about hesitation. With those with those scars on on the dead body, aren't they? There's some sort of hesitation, so they're obviously trying to draw a parallel to him as well. But I also just think that it was such a sudden turnaround. From... Aiden turned around. You could say. Aiden Aiden turn around. Good work. Good work. That's my new podcast. That's you reevaluating the work of Aiden Turner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, retrospectively looking at the work of yeah. Aiden Turner. Yeah, it was I such don't... a change from oh hero nice guy to potential gruesome killer this is just paint by numbers de- you know awfully written i always wonder when you when you're on sets when you're filming these things does nobody anywhere go oh my god that line he just said sounded awful can we change that for this and it just it boggles the mind how these awful performances and awful dialogue just gets through and people well, that's want... what i meant by that's what i meant by it felt like bad police procedural when and at those moments it was yeah. just like oh my goodness me this is one of the worst things i've seen this year and and granted i haven't done as many podcasts as you we can talk about the holiday again if matt wants to read well, the channel that. five dramas that you've well this, this could year. have been a channel five drama it could have i the think stuff. what i would say is the production on this the direction was very good and i think that's yeah. down to james strong who is a very experienced hand yeah. Did a lot of broad church, a lot of vigil. From a direction standpoint, I think it was very good. But the story, the performances, Luke, as you would say, it's either one of two things. Either he did it or he didn't do it. And either he isn't this glittering hero that we think he is, or it's just going to be a bit disappointing if he didn't do it because they're going to have to come up with something else that we wouldn't care about as much. Can I ask a question? Uh, yes. Thanks. Be weird Luke if we said no yes. at that point. Luke didn't say yeah. yes, but I'm going to. Um, do you think this suffers from ITVness? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. And that, that's why they get, you know, when people say ITV drama, I, I used to rally against that because they, they do make, or they used to make the occasional gem. But this is everything that some somebody would say. Oh, an ITV drama. This has everything and more. The suspect on ITV. One of the worst things I've watched this year, just solely down to the terrible script and the performance from Sean Parks. I'm going to annoy you, Luke. I'm going to watch it. You do you do that. Just don't tell me. And don't come crying <laughs> to me when you hate it by the last one. And then what you can do as well, Michael, is put it on your top ten of the year list because that'll really annoy Luke. <sighs> <sighs> You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. Bad Sisters has already aired three episodes across Apple TV+. It is a dark comedy based on a Flemish series called Clan, which, to get even more complicated, was redubbed The Outlaws when it was shown on Walter Presents a couple of years ago. It centres around five sisters who uh, all despise... Uh, their sister Grace's husband, John Paul, played by uh, Klaus Bang from Dracula. Dracula. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they could just be playing Dracula. We've only I seen... was just going. My question to Amory Duff's character was, "What do you expect if you marry Dracula?" Yeah, that yeah. was my general. So this has been adapted by uh, Sharon Horgan. She's one of the busiest people in television because her production company makes a load of stuff. She's written this. She's basically. I don't think we get enough credit to how much Sharon Horgan does, and this treads a difficult line of being a thriller and a comedy. So it begins with us being aware that Jean-Paul has died. He's in the front room in a casket. Grace is mourning him. Her sister's slowly arrived. We're talking uh, Sarah Green as Bibby, who wears an eye patch for reasons we're not entirely sure yet. Eva Birthwistle as Ursula, who has three children, one with Down syndrome. As this funeral gets underway, we sort of hear that the sisters were not the biggest fans of Jean-Paul and are quite pleased to see the back of him. We also meet uh, two insurance providers, brothers from different fathers, and they are at the verge of losing their business. And if they pay out on this premium, they're going to basically lose the family business. They start investigating and peeling back these women, and we go into flashbacks and see quite why they feel the way they do about John Paul. He's a very interesting character because he's not directly an abuser as such. He's not knocking her about or it's all this passive aggressive to it. He talks to the family. It's what we call controlling coercive behaviour. Yeah, exactly that, Matt. Exactly that. It's it's very well done. And we also the only sister I didn't mention is Eve Hewson as Becca, the youngest, who uh, actually inadvertently meets uh, Daryl and after knocking him off his bike and then meets him damaging his sandwich damaging his sandwich i watched two episodes how many have you watched just the one just because i ran out of time really uh one for me i've watched two i absolutely loved it i think it's one of the the best judged things i've seen this year it's unpredictable it's clever it's funny He's a really interesting character because he could be very one-note and very villain-esque, but he's not. He's Like you say, it's that coercive control. It's the looks. It's the little snide comments. And you can completely understand why these people feel the way they do about him and, and, and why you know even Anne-Marie's Duff's daughter doesn't like him at all. There's a scene in the second episode where they're all dancing and, and she stops as soon as he comes into the room because he doesn't like to see his daughter dancing that way. And it's a very controlled environment, very controlled household. The dynamics between all the sisters feel very real and engaging. They lost their parents quite early and Sharon Horgan's character has basically brought them all up to a certain degree. I really, really found this a joy. It, it whizzed by. I thought it was great. I love the soundtrack. It it sounds redundant to say this because everything looks great on television now, but it really did pop. I think Apple TV money has gone into making sure that the Irish locations look amazing and stunning and they want people to go to Ireland off the back of this. I would. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's going to be one I watch when it drops every week. Even though I bang on about things should have levity, things should be funny, things should be real, it is very difficult to do clearly and i think this masters it really well because it can do light and dark effortlessly one minute you're laughing away at them and it's a bit ridiculous next minute you're back in the darkness and it gels really well really really enjoyed it i completely agree with you it was 
way beyond what I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting a kind of, I, I love Sharon Hogan's work in the past, but I was kind of expecting a bit more chaotic, a bit more slapstick, mm. a bit louder. Brasher. And it was so subtle and nuanced and, and it's so difficult to write an ensemble cast. She's just done it. She's just done it perfectly. Like every sister had their personality. The facts of of that awful behavior from that man who's thankfully dead. The nuance of it, you know, they can see what he's doing, but also it's really subtle. And what do you and... do? You don't want to lose your sister or your niece. So you keep inviting yeah. them to things. You keep involving them, even though you know that it's all corrosive and awful and you've got to be around somebody you detest one of the things i noticed by the end is actually sharon horgan has done a very big thing here she stepped away from having a lot of the punchlines. yeah that's very true she gives it she gives it to other people she barely has a line that is funny in it because probably she's the one that's looking after him it's all the other other people like you say the soundtrack the direction the subtlety and the dark bits of humor that like intertwine through it and also, like that, there's that moment on their beach where they're just fantasizing about killing him and how they would kill him. It's but just it's so, it's so realistic. It doesn't it's, feel it doesn't yeah. feel written at yeah. all. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I'm I'm on board from episode one. Even the insurance salesman who could come yeah. across as clownish or ridiculous or or villains in themselves, you sort of you're on their side to a degree as well because they feel properly well drawn, well acted. There's always a joke about they don't look like brothers and people are always m- confusing them for that. Yeah, loved it, Matt. And let's it, and let's be honest, they, and they there there is obviously a reason why he's going to pursue it because there's something yeah. wrong. And, he's, and yeah, it's, and it's and clear it's, that the and as you go on through episode two, there is a a botched yeah. attack on him, which is brilliant as well. It just gets better and better. It's so strong. It's so brilliantly realised. Do you feel the same, Matt? I hope you do. I'm a little bit more on the fence. I think I, I enjoyed it, and I think it will. I, I can see I will probably enjoy it more as it goes on. I think from this first episode, they had quite a lot to do and quite a lot to set up, and I didn't feel that I possibly got to know all of the sisters. But I think obviously you've got to set up Grace's relationship with John Paul, which I think that they did brilliantly. I agree with everything you're saying there. I agree with Michael about the gags. I thought, I mean, you could tell this was Sharon Horgan in the first scene where John Paul's body is laid out and he's yeah. got an erection and, yeah. and uh, Grace is trying to sort of cover it up. And it's like, that is the perfect sort of Sharon Horgan gag because it's going to that line almost. It's, it's sexualized, it's inappropriate. And that's what you expect from a Sharon Horgan thing. She does the murder mystery or the mystery element of it. I suppose we don't know if there has been a murder, but there is sort of that suspicion. I think the the, the mismatched half-brother insurance salesman, as you say, who need this to be a dodgy thing or they'll lose the business. That's an interesting angle. It does, I mean, obviously, in terms of it being comic, but also dark, almost feels like Cohen's brothers-esque humour in there. You did feel, I thought the chemistry, and I think you've said oh. you've said this already, it, between the five actresses is, you know, believable. You can believe that they're all sisters. I think the flashback to the, the Christmas before was, was a masterstroke because 
you saw there, obviously, as you said, uh, Eva Sharon Horgan's character is the maternal figure. They've got this um, tradition of going swimming every year on Christmas Day. You know, you feel like you are with these characters. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Possibly I put almost too high expectations on it because I, I was expecting maybe too much. So maybe some of that is on me, but I, I, I would be you know go on to watch more and i think Please it was do. just a sort of a question of time and and i think your opinion of it because you've watched a second one it has sort of yeah buoyed me on to maybe to maybe go on because it is a it is original and it's it's not like anything else well, it's not original it's like. based on a flemish show but yeah I but it does feel original i suppose yeah, it is feels really organic to that to that place mm. But also that you say you could say that about Euphoria. Luke feels original. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need to see the original of that show. The passive aggressiveness that he has. So it's it's made clear quite early on that Sharon Horgan lives on her own. She's single. She can't have children, and she has a big announcement to have that she announces at this family get together. He says, "Oh, you're pregnant," and the the atmosphere changes in the room from this jovial family get together to this how dare you say that but nobody speaks up because you don't you don't want to ruin the family time you don't want to ruin christmas for everybody so nobody speaks up sharon horgan also works at the same architectural firm so they're rubbing up against each other there i also think the current timeline and the past timeline which is something i always talk about in every show because every show does it i think this does it so brilliantly it just does it so brilliantly if it had started with his death and then flashback but the fact it starts with the wake and we spend a lot of time with them and then we see them we get to meet him and he he is just doing something magnificent in that role because you don't hate him necessarily you understand why they do it's just so good i i I will finish this podcast Edit out all the bits I don't agree with and then watch the third episode. <laughs> that is my plan. Eve Hewson is a standout as well for me as, as the youngest Becca, who is this happy-go-lucky girl who um, is, is starting a massage therapy business and she has really great chemistry with all of them and also really great chemistry with the insurance guy that they, they at the time of me watching this they don't know their connection to each other so it's all really interesting what i would say as well i just wanted there, there was a couple of really good shots in this as well mm. i really like the the scenes when they were swimming and actually yeah. as well there's the scene where at the grave where they're all throwing the mm. the flowers in and it's almost yeah. like you're looking at it above and again you get a great gag that the the coffin sort of half goes in the grave and that's a good there's a lot of good physical gags in this as yeah. well actually also it gladdens my little beating heart that this is 10 episodes as well because so many of these streaming shows now are getting shorter and i just think i want to spend a lot of time with these people and for it to develop and get crazier and and you can do that in 10 where you can't necessarily do it in six so yay i like something and it's very good bad sisters apple tv plus Three on there now. Every Friday, they will drop. Finally on the podcast, something completely different. I don't think we've ever talked about anything like it on the podcast before, although old Megamind over there might be able to correct me. I'm sure there's something he's thinking of that could be connected to it, but I can't. This is Welcome to Wrexham, which if you're in the US is airing on FX on Hulu, and if you're here in the UK, 
it is one of the few shows that we're getting at the same time as the US because God knows we need it apparently. Whereas someone should write an article about that. Someone should. It's on the website now. <laughs> I moaned about stuff. And in the big in the big scheme of things, this doesn't matter. But just to summate my thoughts on that post that you can go on and read. There's so many shows that the American critics I follow have been raving about for a long time on Hulu, which is basically our version of Disney Plus that haven't turned up. And yet this, we can watch at the same time as the US. I don't quite understand the, the rationale or the reasons behind it. This is a docu-series that follows actors Rob McElherney from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, a huge hit on FX, and um, just all-round movie star Ryan Reynolds as they acquire Wrexham FC uh, in Wrexham in Wales. And because it's a US show predominantly, they spend a lot of the first episode explaining the logistics of football to the... Uh, to, I was going to say I, to I the American that audience, you as well, But like, also surely. to me, because I don't really <laughs> understand it either, how the Premier League works and how you can Even get knocked though... out. I know we hop on about this. Luke used to host a sports show on the radio, yes, Michael. But anyone could read out teletext in 1998. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange beast, this one, because it, it begins with them not acquiring the club. So quite how this documentary ever came to be when they, they may have just, you know, had a phone call and gone, oh, no, you didn't well, get it. Sorry, I don't quite understand. Can I, can I just say that they had the idea of the documentary and that okay. was part of... That was part if you if you if you'd listened, Luke, that was part of the pitch to the to the supporters who agreed to it was that we will be filming this documentary okay. as part of it. So because I know when I think it was the guy Humphrey, who's his like advisor, he's, he's a writer on Mythic Quest, said to him that they were quite interested when you, you know, people's almost perked up when you mentioned the documentary. Mm-hmm. So obviously that was part of the. The deal was that cameras so, will be coming to Wrexham. And the, and... the reason this is a, do- a documentary is because it, it was part of the deal to do that and it was one of the things that attracted <laughs> the supporters to, to to sign up to it is because they, they knew it would... Editing is a wonderful Wrexham. thing, isn't it? And also um, <laughs> Harvey Kerr, who is one of his writers on... Um, Humphrey. Humphrey. Humphrey Kerr. Editing is a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> Humphrey Kerr, who is one of his writers on a, a show Mythic, uh, sort of talked... Rob McElhoney into into football and got him interested in it. I did like at the beginning where he says, I've only got TV money and I needed movie star money to do this. I also liked, and this is a very particular American thing, that they feel like they know the people of Wales, even though they'd never been there and they probably wouldn't be able to pinpoint Wrexham on a map. Not saying that I could either, but I'm not buying a football team there. So this is a strange beast. I watched the first one, which is basically them explaining the logistics of football, how how the leagues work and who the team is. And, and I said to Matt, I said, is it even worth us discussing? Because what are we gaining from it? And then he said, well, watch the second one, which I did. That goes into more the backstory of the players, how some have dreamed to be part of this team for a long time. Uh, Rob and Ryan watching their first proper game from from their homes and getting really well. There's only Rob actually, Luke. Ryan never seemed to actually care that much. No, so that I, don't was one does, I don't think he does. I don't think he does care. To be fair, he's just he's got too many irons in the fire. I don't think he does care. I have to say, I, it was my idea to watch this because I, I thought it might be one of these strange sort of coming of age bizarro things, but it was actually not. It was actually more of a, a bog standard documentary on 
Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. These two megastars buying Wrexham Football Club, and or at least in the first two episodes, they're not interacting with the players in any meaningful way. You know, maybe this would appeal more to an American audience, but everything I was learning about the players in Wrexham, I could, I could have told them without them opening their mouth. I sort of knew what they were going to say. It's got a very weird tone because it begins with the most sombre theme tune of this guy singing Bob Dylan's "The Times Are Changing." So it's not even it's not I thought it might have a fun atmosphere to it, but it doesn't really. It's it's a strange one. I, I can only imagine that it exists purely because Ted Lasso is a thing. That's the only reason I can imagine that FX, who are this well respected brand, everything they do is usually worth discussing on a podcast like this or reviewing on a site like ours. This just feels like a strange beat. I just didn't understand why this was made. I mean, Rob McElherney and Ryan Reynolds come across well. Everyone on it comes across well, but I found it boring. One of the other things, apparently, I was I was doing some research on this. There was a Netflix documentary about Sunderland FC. Oh, yeah. yeah, there was. And, and that was another reason that I think that they were keen to get our documentary about a football team. Okay. It was almost sort of like the idea for the documentary and the idea to buy the football club <laughs> were the same thing. And I think the, the, the moments in this that worked for me, actually, were when they went to Wrexham, the cameras went to Wrexham, and it was how much the football team means to everyone there. You know, the guy who owns the burger van, the guy who owns the pub, they went around the supporters saying, this is what we want to happen with the club, this is what they need to do. I think a lot the reason they didn't really spend a lot of time with the players is a lot of those players get laid off at the end of the yeah. second episode. So I think we will get more. I think, there's, is there about 13 episodes there's of this? 13 so, episodes? No, I mean, I'm, I'm happy there's 10 of Bad Sisters, but quite how you get 13 out of this, I don't I, quite... It seems odd that this isn't one that they've released altogether because this, to me, would be more of a, a sort of a binge watch than... A, I, you know, I want to wait, wait a week for the next episode. It doesn't feel like a very episodic story in a way. But no. I, 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 I found Rob to be very likable. He had an enthusiasm. He explained, you know, he was from a working class town. He was from Philadelphia. He, you know, the the sport is it the Eagles there? Yeah. You know, he and he sort of gets the the connection with Wrexham. As you say, the sort of American explainy bits, the the scene where he's got up at four a.m. with his son to watch the 
the last game of the season it turned out to be and like when one of the players gets red carded he says oh we're a man down and we're a goal down and Luke's going oh is that what that means it did what it said on the tin I think you know it was a documentary about two movie stars buying a football club in Wrexham perhaps it was like you saying about your feelings to about bad sisters were on you maybe Mm. I was expecting or hoping that this would be about these two being planted into a world they didn't really you know. You thought it would be and like a fish out of water. You, yeah, you wanted them to go to Rexford. And, and be there. I didn't. I, I know buying it isn't the same as being the manager or the coach, but I, but no. because of the way it was and because of how far America is from Wrexham, the mm. two worlds could never really collide in the way that might be interesting. You know, it'd be interesting. No, I think see... I think they will, and because they are working actors as well, they probably haven't got yeah. the time go to Wrexham so if that's what you were thinking then that I I never thought it would be that I thought I I think it would be I think I think I thought it would be what we got more or less uh, apart from I thought thought it was the welcome to Wrexham was a reference to them sort of you know right okay no I, I thought that was to the audience the one thing I think that I wasn't expecting was the lack of Ryan Reynolds we didn't even know him they never met they hadn't met in person yeah, it was really... like I want someone who has, you know, wants to do this with me that I sort of know and has money, and and obviously Ryan Reynolds wants to be the sort of jovial. Oh look, I'm doing this thing. It's a bit quirky. That's why it seems like he's in on it, where he doesn't have the same passion as no. Rob does. But, no, but um, I feel very but... much like about football, like Chandler does about Bambi. You know. It's very sad when the man stopped drawing the deer and it's very sad when the man didn't quite kick the ball in the right direction or didn't quite get it in the I, net. There's, I mean, yeah. it would it, it would be helpful to have... Because, Michael, I don't think you're massively into football either and I think it would be helpful to have a football fan on the on the podcast this week. And uh, I used to be, like, madly passionate about it a few oh, years ago. Oh, there we go then. But not, what did not you think much. of this then, Michael? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with Luke, really, in the sense of the tone. It, okay. it did feel quite flat. Starting with the positives, I liked the fact that they talked to fans and uh, members that were connected to the club who worked in, as part of the part of the team, uh, part of the club, and some of the players. But like you say, you're not going to get much from players. That's that's interesting. It'll, it'll always be it was my dream to play for this club. Or... Yeah. What left me feeling flat was when they were having the meetings with the uh, Wrexham supporters trust it props up two or three times in the first two episodes why Wrexham and the answers were basically given he connected it to an American sport and how he felt about an American sport after two episodes there's never been directly an answer what I got Michael was that it's very similar to Philadelphia being this industrial he doesn't know that he doesn't know it's not I don't think you could say it's the same it's like saying London and LA are the same Mm. They're, they're they're big, well-known cities full of wealth well, and, and port. He wants, and, uh... I, yeah, I think what they were looking for was a team in that division who were, you know, it was a similar um, society to what he knew. And I think, I think one of the positives as well in, in choosing the club is that they had been in that league for so long as well. It was telling that that story. It just left me feeling a bit frustrated in terms of what their motives are because if mm. you've got the documentary thing they 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 were literally again on on a call to one of the chairman or something of to do with the club and 
Ryan points out, dude, you've got your camera. You're be- they can see you're being filmed by the documentary right behind you. It's not very subtle, is it? And they had a bit of a laugh about it. what came first, the documentary, yeah. and why is is it purely to suit their needs for a documentary or a story? Yeah, basically, yes. Yeah, there is that element of cynicism in it. I think that's what you're both trying to say, isn't it? That they're yeah. There's not a sort of genuineness. No, there's no reason for it to exist other than they wanted to do it. They wanted to make a documentary about them buying a football team. And I think the fact it's in Wales, so you've got the Welsh language aspect as well, which is a bit unique. You know, it's not in England. You know, you are right, Michael, the motivations. I don't think they can say the motivations. I think... They wanted to sort of ape that Sunderland documentary, which yeah. I had, I wasn't aware of, but they and wanted to make something similar. I think they, the, the the one positive for me is the people of Wrexham themselves. I think they're the most intriguing yeah, characters. You, you could see that in any document. You know, we, we the BBC Channel Four make those sort mm. of documentaries about people every day. Yeah, I also, yeah. I also think it's it's the old COVID again because. It's COVID and, and their work schedule means that we'll never get a scene where he's actually walking around Wrexham finding I out. I think you will. Him. I don't think you will because he sent that guy as his representative. He actually says, I'll be working as their as their sounding board, as their voice. Part of but the they go work. to Wrexham at some stage. We see them in Wrexham at the beginning. Uh, I also say, I think every documentary that that is broadcast clearly goes into into production with an agenda yeah so it's not going it's not going to portray them as bad people with an ulterior motive and then i'm not saying they're bad people you know what i mean mm. like an ulterior motive outside of like making a football club successful is making I'm, the documentary yeah but i'm wondering if in time the documentary will focus on an aspect of celebrity culture because I mean, 15, 20 years ago, Yuri Geller became co-chairman of Exeter City Football. It was weird. <laughs> I it did was... not see that going And, there. and no, Michael but... Jackson was involved somehow, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and M- Michael Jackson turned up to some games and it made Exeter a bit of a laughing stock because Yuri Geller, well, you know, he's a silly man. It just made the club a bit of a laughing stock. Why were they there? They weren't helping the club in any way. They were just doing it for their own ends, to whatever end that was. They're not going to touch on the bad side of celebrity culture in, in situations like this because obviously it's got its own agenda. And it, and I think just the fact that they hadn't even met before, like what you, you're buying? I know they've got the money to do it, but yeah, I think I had assumed that they were firm friends for a long time. That's the one thing I had assumed. Yeah, you know, not knowing the story, but knowing that they had bought the club, I'd assume that they had had a prior relationship. Even but... if he bought the club with Danny DeVito, that wouldn't make more sense why this would be on FX. There's, mm. It's only Sunny in Philadelphia. It was a massive hit for them. It's been going on for umpteen years and it will continue on. I mean, so he's the draw because he's the FX name. and You'd think you could get somebody else that you'd know, but... Perhaps TV money, like he says, isn't enough. In the first two episodes, you're not learning enough about their motivation and how many Americans, certainly, or even British fans are going to be that interested in the history of Wrexham Football Club. And it's also, for a British audience, it sort of spends the first episode at least doing the ABC basics of football, which most people will just think, why am I having to sit through 
the stuff I, I already I've know. I've never heard the British Football League system described as a pyramid before. No, either. no, it's true. If this documentary had been made in five years' time and, say, Wrexham had had a couple of promotions... Oh, yeah. ...then there's a story to tell, mm. but at the moment... There's not I, much of a story to tell. I think, because I did look it up, they almost got promoted, didn't they? They, like, got to, Spoiler. I think it was, ex, you know, extra time or something to penalty. They came second in the league, but lost to Grimsby in, like, the playoffs or something. So um, that will be the story they, they will be telling, is they got really close, and maybe next year, I'm assuming that is the story they will tell. Mm. The cynical aspect is we wanted a club in this division... And after doing some research, this looked like the had the best this story the to cheapest, it. And the best... This was the cheapest we could find. Not the cheapest, but the best. The, I think the best story we could get for the documentary in terms of this is the club that has been in this league for this amount of years. They've never gone up. They've never gone down. Mm. There's a story to the town. There's a story to the club in terms of the finances and things like that. You know, it's owned by its supporters. There's a lot of different aspects mm. to it. So there is that cynical aspect, like we wanted to make a documentary about buying a football club and let's see which of these teams that we can buy are going to make the best story. And it was Wrexham. And they were probably you... up for sale. Half an hour is really short as well. So mm. people will just watch again and uh, another and another and another if they're into it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that, that seems the bizarre choice to me. Um, and I think... Like you and me, Luke, as well. If you don't, if you're not into football, then it's maybe hard to empathise with people who put that much passion yeah. and put that much into being a fan of a football team. And that's the story they were telling with all these people that mm. they live and die on the scores every every Saturday, you know. And if you've never felt like that, then it's hard yeah. maybe to empathise with people or put yourselves I mean... in the shoes of those people. I, I genuinely, this is not be being sucker. I genuinely, the guy who was crying, like literally had tears running down when they were, when they lost. I just, I had never felt that strongly about anything, apart from my hatred of Sean Park's performance in, uh, <laughs> in uh, the suspect. Well, the yeah, suspect. You forgot the name of the show. Yes, then, I forgot the name. I know Sean Parks, but yeah, the show's already left the brain. <laughs> okay, so welcome to Wrexham is uh, airing weekly, strangely, on Disney Plus on Wednesdays, I believe. Uh, and I think yeah, Matt's right. Thirty Thursdays. Thursdays. Thursday, sorry, and thirteen. Wednesdays episodes. on Wednesdays in the states, I think. Um, thank you so much to Michael for joining us and and fitting in a summer holiday just before recording. Thank you very where, much. Where do you? Because last time you were on, we did hear the dogs barking. But where do you hide the children when when you're recording this? Where are you and where is everyone uh, else? He's he's in another room watching YouTube. Okay, still not watching proper telly yet. It's not going to happen. Did you try the Wonder Years? <laughs> you were going to try no. the Wonder Years? No. You need to bring Uncle Luke round for a, for a week, I think. And uh, all those cracker DVDs. You did. You, you know, did make that sound more menacing than I hope it was intended. Well, you know, <laughs> did I? The door's gonna stay locked. <laughs> I am genuine. I am genuinely an uncle to people, but that really sounded seedy. The way he's got Matt all the Jimmy it. McGovern discs ready for his nieces when they're well, old well, enough. I can just. Like... I don't need to bring them. I'll just recite them and do the voices. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you? Can you give us a bit of Robbie Coltrane now? Not, not off the cuff. I got to do salt water and stuff first. I got yeah, to yeah. perform You've it. But got I to get in the zone. All, I could bring all the kit with me. I don't need to bring the DVDs <laughs> necessarily. Um, Matt, what's going on with us next week? 
And you don't know this yet, Luke. Next week, it's a deep dive into the Lord of the Rings series, and Gary's back. I can go to the seaside for the uh, for an hour or two. Uh, I think Uncle week. Luke is coming around next week. By the <laughs> yes. Don't leave the house, Michael. <laughs> I'd have moved by then. That's an ITV drama in itself. The yeah. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the, uh, a the in there. Yeah, you got to have that, otherwise it doesn't work. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Michael. Thank Bye-bye. you, Luke. Thank you. I'll pop round now. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.